Welcome to City Limits. I'm Kevin. I'm Ann. And post-election, mm-hmm. we're doing the show the Monday after election. You, you want to talk about that at all? We, did, we took a week off because <laughs> last week I was working really hard to, to gear up to election day. So it feels like we haven't done the show in a while. But yeah, it was it was election, as it always is, the weekend before election all the way to election day is is full on out. And election day was very slow. We had more people at the polls than we did for the primary, but still not enough as far as I'm concerned. Right. And the results, everybody probably knows them. But yep. um, for the school committee, Emily Lebo. Mm-hmm. She topped the ticket. Good job, Emily. Yep. Tina Cahill came she, in second. She came, congratulations, Tina. And Doug Guttrow came in third with 17%. And Courtney Perdios just missed with 16.9%. Mm-hmm. And that um, was a big checkup because I think Doug was, he really pulled himself up in that election. Yeah. He was um, he was down a little bit lower, but now he's, he's reelected. There is something in the sun today that I know there's been discussion that mm-hmm. Courtney may look for a recount, but it was mentioned in the sun today. I'm not sure if that's going to go anywhere, but yeah, I guess that's a possibility. Maybe. I don't know. I, I, I'm not aware of that, but you know, it could be. I mean, they were close. And then Liberty Schaff, Liz Speakman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to those three that didn't make it. Yeah. I know it's hard. Uh, you lost a couple of elections, of mm-hmm. course, mm-hmm. and it is hard to lose. But if they scan, you know, the horizon, I, I think there's going to be a possibility in two years mm-hmm. for some spots, maybe. Hopefully. Yeah. And the thing is, is that in each one of them, that what was what they brought to the table that I think is really important for people to remember, and I do think it matters, is their parents. They have kids in the school system. Yeah. And, I mean, you know. The thing is, is that we need we need everybody. We need people who have the the administration background or different backgrounds. But right now, I think Doug's the only one that has anybody in the schools, and it's a senior. So for a year, yeah. for a year. So in the next two years, I think parents should really be taking a look at that because I know it was that was one of the reasons what got me into a race for school. So that's committee. one of the reasons you left. Yeah, school committee because <laughs> yeah, I was in the race. I, I jumped into a school committee race because. Many of the parents I talked to basically felt the same way. We didn't have anybody that we could necessarily talk to or relate to when it came to on the school committee because there weren't parents, there wasn't representation at the time of a parent with younger kids in the school system. And then when I was leaving after three terms, um, Rory was, you know, Rory was a senior and I was feeling that I didn't have that pulse of what was happening as well in the elementary and middle schools other than what was being told to me. Yeah. It's important to have I that. Think, I think it is important, and the balance is is off now. So yeah. I, I think we do need some mm-hmm. parents there with kids in the mm-hmm. system or skin in the game, as mm-hmm. people like to say. Mm-hmm. And all three of those candidates, Courtney, of course, has done it before. But um, she was Liber- doing the work. Yeah, she was doing the work, and she's right. run before. Yeah, I, I thought she did a great job. And um, Liberty Schaff and um, Liz Speakman, I thought from an outsider looking in, I thought they ran great campaigns. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. So they have a lot to be proud of. It is hard. And I talked to each one of them and I, I just, you know, I think it's it's a difficult thing to put yourself out there and then you just have to, and they, and I think each one of them are going to pick themselves up and move on because that's what, that's what we do. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So then city councilor at large, mm-hmm. Noel topped the ticket, mm-hmm. uh, followed by you. Yep. Um, and then Nina Liang and then Mr. Burke. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Burke didn't campaign a lot, but he still got like 2,500 votes. Yeah. So obviously his message of... Um, yeah, he, he's basically concerned that we, we just don't do the, the nuts and bolts of what we're supposed to do for a city. Take care of our streets, make sure that the taxpayers are being you know transparent with the taxpayers and that we're not you know, always going back to the taxpayers for more. That was pretty much what his message was, which is pretty much my message. <laughs> so, yeah. So he agreed with me on a lot of things. Right. And, 
And, you know, the important thing is, again, is the discussion. And Mr. Burke did, um, you know, like I said, we didn't campaign very much for it, but there's, you got 2,500 votes. So yeah. there are 2,500 people who agreed with him. Yeah. yeah. And then in Ward 1, uh, David McCarthy mm-hmm. went up against Joe Murphy. Dave got 61% and Joe got 39%. And Joe's another one that didn't campaign or raise yep. any money. And he got 39% of the vote. So, yeah. Pretty... I don't know if that's a great way to go about campaigning. No, though. I know, I, mean, I know. Not, but I, I don't still. necessarily agree with that theory, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't either. But I mean, just the fact that mm-hmm. he got thirty nine percent of the vote and wasn't really out there. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, he did write some great things that I read that we're going to go over later, mm-hmm. but we'll do that in a little while. In Ward Two, Anthony Andronico, who's had the job since March, he got sixty percent of the vote, Mm -hmm. and Mr. Perdios got forty percent of the vote. Mm -hmm. And then in Ward Five, Chuck Phelan, first term, he's been doing it. He's an incumbent. Yep. So those two, he'll be he's being voted in for a second term. Right. I got sixty percent to Mr. Christo's forty percent, and that was his second time running. Yep. So all the all the. all the incumbents that were running running with the opposition got 60%. <laughs> yeah, and I met Mr. Christo at Beach Vanilla's holding a sign. He's a great guy. Mm-hmm. He ran a good campaign too. I think they I think I, I think overall, like, you know, it's 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 healthy. It's not there's nothing wrong with a yep. healthy, you know, healthy campaign and healthy questions. Right. So th- that's our election wrap-up. Mm-hmm. Uh, next we have teachers contract. Uh, any news on that? I know I, I have just a general impression I got from talking to teachers holding signs that uh, morale is not too good. One yeah. of them said it's just as bad as it was when they they actually went on strike. So, yeah. and that's the thing is I heard, I saw a lot of teachers too holding signs. And although this isn't tales of the trails, this is actually election day. And um, I, and I'm not on the school committee anymore. But to hear how how morale is so down in the schools and how they're feeling disrespected and they don't have a contract and they're feeling, you know, it's just, it's a horrible place to be when you feel undervalued when you're doing something that is so important, which is educating children. And, um, you know, there's no, as far as I know, there has been no movement on the teacher's contract. I'm not, again, I'm not on the school committee, so it's just, it hasn't. Right. There's no formal offer. No, not that, not that. That's what I've heard. Yeah. And according to the mayor, a couple of weeks before there, that was his offer, right? Yeah. But it was never, I think he was Put making forward, forward person. Uh, <laughs> From what it sounds like, he was formally. making he was making the offer at school committee on a yeah. QATV. <laughs> so yeah. um, that's not how negotiations work. But right. um, and I, I was assuming that that offer was going to be you know be put on the table and you know it would imminent. Be done by now, yeah, yeah, it would be imminent, and it's um you know it's several weeks out, and we still don't. It, it's no closure to it, and that's disappointing because you know to to say that to to have the administration come out and say that this was going to be the offer and they were going to be offered the same thing and then not put an offer out there. It's it's kind of insane. Yeah, it's like, what's <laughs> going on there? Yeah. All right. Uh, so there's that. And then the one story. Yeah. It came out late in the, came late in the late campaign. late in the campaign <laughs> that I, I really want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And um, Joe Murphy wrote this mm-hmm. on his blog. Joe Murphy, of course, as mentioned earlier, ran for Ward 1 mm-hmm. counselor. But this has to do with 105 C Street. Right. Um, which is in his ward, which is in his, uh, Dave, Dave Murphy's ward. Dave McCarthy's. It's Dave McCarthy's. <laughs> Not Dave Murphy. Dave Murphy, <laughs> he takes care of other things in the yes. city. <laughs> um, and that's the location of the closed Imperial Terrace mm-hmm. Chinese restaurant. Right next to the Fox and the Hound. Yeah. And um, adjacent to where the police station will be. So it, it, it turns out that the property changed hands. 
and um, the developer is looking to put up some apartments mm -hmm. in place of that. And the developer uh, turns out to be the current administrator's city solicitor, Jim Timmons. Mm -hmm. He wants to build a 24-unit condominium complex. Mm -hmm. um, and in order to make that happen, he needs the zoning board to grant him some variances. Yeah. What's odd about that to me, too, is that they went to zoning first. They didn't go to planning. Usually anything over four units has to go to planning. But this skipped planning and went to zoning first. And, um, you know, that that's typically what you see as it goes to planning, gets the approval from planning, and then goes to zoning. Zoning doesn't even want to – the first thing they'll say when you go to a zoning meeting is, did this go to planning? <laughs> this went to zoning. Right. So, so and I was at that zoning meeting, and they postponed it until after the election – and what they had said at that zoning meeting was, nothing's going to change. We're going to come back with the same plans. This and this information that's out there. Yeah. And, and we're going to wait. <laughs> well, according to Joe, uh, mm -hmm. he appears to have done quite a bit of research. In mm -hmm. January of 2021, mm -hmm. an LLC called JVC C Street with a mailing address of 55 Willard Street filed corporation establishment players with the Mass Secretary of State Office. The offices of this LLC are James Timmons and his son, Christopher Timmons. Mm -hmm. And the stated purpose of this company, this company is formed to own, manage, buy, sell, lease, mortgage, finance, license, and or develop real estate and or engage in activities otherwise lawful for which limited liability companies are organized. Mm -hmm. In this Commonwealth, as mentioned before, Mr. Timmons is the city solicitor. He's been there since the mayor's. He's been there initial. Yes, he's been term. there. Yeah, he's been there since the mayor Thomas Koch has become mayor. But then before that, he was the assistant city solicitor for under the Sheets administration. I guess in August of 2021, property um, changed hands for one million three hundred fifty thousand, mm -hmm. and within a few weeks, JVC C Street uh, filed an application with the zoning board. Of appeals. So on September 8th, they start uploading plans to Quincy's Inspectional Services web portal, and the application was completed on September 16th. The plans were obviously designed before the property was officially purchased, but it's not clear how long. Yeah, I don't know anything about, anything about, anything that, about but, that, but the but the interesting thing is is that uh, Mr. Timmons is our city solicitor, and they can have all they can have part time, they can have jobs, they can he can he can close on real estate, he can be a lawyer. He could develop if it was, you know, if it was a lot that didn't need zoning, I guess he could be developing that. But to be going before the zoning board and looking for, um, you know, looking for variances for this, it seems a little uncomfortable because, you know, who do we go to them for zoning? You know, the city solicitor gives us recommendations for zoning laws yeah. that we're putting on the zoning and he's going before them for that. And it's, it's just, it has a really uncomfortable feeling for it. Um, you know, usually in an LLC, we don't always know who's who's with the LLC, but Joe did some digging and, and unearthed this. So makes me wonder who else are on the LLCs. How many other administrators oh. <laughs> that are hidden in LLCs that we don't know about? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. I'm not saying that there are. I'm just saying that this is this one is, it's, you know, either you're working for the city or you're develop, a developer. So according to some paperwork that Joe found, the applicant first approached the ward counselor in March of 2021. And it says here in this paperwork, five months before the land purchase, that uh, Christopher Timmons talked to the ward counselor in person. The ZBA application asked for seven variances, and I'm going to read those variances off. Mm -hmm. Required zoning relief. The proposed development as a multi-unit residence is permanent by right under the zoning code. The project requires only dimensional relief under Section 4.0, as I as set out in the table of dimensions. For the minimum lot area, they are requesting 4,500 square feet, 
they currently have 1,150 square feet. For the maximum floor area ratio, they have 0.05, they are requesting 1.3. Um, for maximum stories, levels allowed, mm -hmm. that is three stories, but they're asking for four stories and green space, uh, 1,000 square feet, they only have 326. And then front yard setback is 25 feet, they only have 17 feet. Side yard setbacks, 20. They only have seven. They're so, asking for a lot of forgiveness. Yeah. Here. So I'll but, just read this this one quote from, from Mr. Murphy. The provided minimum lot area is a quarter of what our zoning ordinances require. The floor area ratio is more than twice what the ordinance allows. The green space per dwelling is about a third of what is what it needs to be. The setback requests are substantial and the parking spots are fewer than required. Uh, recently, Quincy increased the parking needed per unit. This just happened in the last few years. It is not an outdated ordinance that no longer applies. And of course, they also want one more story than a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like the city solicitor is asking for a lot. And what's interesting is I think the administration just put in front of the city council, and um, from my understanding of the timing, it was a dimensional ordinance that allows for everything that's um, already in process would be given grandfathered in. <laughs> so this would be grandfathered in. Yep. Mm -hmm. So um, special treatment. <laughs> probably guess. written by probably written by the city solicitor. <laughs> so I guess neighbors neighbors are upset. Uh, parking is an issue um, that people are worried about parking in the neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. Traffic. Um, it's a terrible location. Terrible it's location. A, it was a terrible location for a restaurant. It's an even worse location for 24 units. Yeah. I can't imagine coming out of there. And with in and there's a good quote in here. Without a doubt, residents will turn left out of the development to head towards Quincy Center. Cars mm -hmm. will stop short to turn in. Residents will be running across the street to catch the inbound bus. In short, it will be a mess. Mm -hmm. And those things aren't taken into consideration either. Though, the, 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 so there's multiple problems with this. It didn't go to planning. It, it, it should have gone to planning first. It didn't go to planning. It's at zoning. It got postponed before an election to after an election with the um, with the quote being said that Nothing was going to change in the plans that it came back to. The neighborhood is very upset about what was being proposed. I'm sure it will be maybe, maybe, maybe they'll take one floor off of it. Who knows what will happen there? But more importantly, I think what's really disturbing to people is that this is our city solicitor that's developing 24 units. Right. Listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not against people, you know, you know, developing or doing things, but you're asking for seven variances. Yeah. And, you're basically, you know, this is an administration that, that basically mocks people who say there's too much overdevelopment that's happening in the city of Quincy. This is the city solicitor that is actually overdeveloping in an area. Yep. And I guess it wasn't publicized very well either. And what you were saying about the planning board, I guess, according to this, uh, Joe took, read every planning meeting agenda mm -hmm. uh, for 2021 and the project does not appear on any of them. So here we have a sizable parcel being turned over from commercial to residential, and the planning board does not need to at least review the plans. Yeah. So that's a very good question. Yeah, and, and and I have to go back and do some research. I don't think, I think in my experience of being going to zoning, zoning usually asks, has this gone to planning? It's very, un, it's very unusual that a large development like this wouldn't have gone to planning and got approval to go through to zoning first. I mean, it doesn't right. make sense. That's the reason why we have a planning board. Anything over four... Units are supposed to go before the planning board, before it goes to any of the other ones. Once it gets clearance from the planning board, it goes off to the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know if 
where it's going to go, if it's illegal or anything, but um, the optics aren't very good. No, optics. To have somebody of your staff, the administration, kind of cashing in on this mm-hmm. real estate boom, um, mm-hmm. not publicizing the meeting very well. Yeah. Well, just it's disturbing because it, if you could build by right, you couldn't say anything because it would be build by right. You're asking for all the same variances that people are feeling like they're being victimized on in that area, in, in a neighborhood. Um, and and people were feeling like it's one thing when it's a developer, it's a whole other thing when it's your administration. <laughs> it's right. representing the city. To request a variance from the local zoning board under Massachusetts law, mm-hmm. a local zoning board can grant variance only after a public hearing and only if it finds that. Adherence to the ordinance would be a substantial hardship to mm-hmm. the property owner. I guess the hardship is that they wouldn't what be able to make. They wouldn't be able to make as much money. <laughs> but it, according to stuff I read today, mm-hmm. uh, it's well settled that substantial hardship must be related to the land itself, mm-hmm. um, specifically soil conditions, shape, or topography of such land or structures, and especially affecting such land structure, land or structures, but not affecting generally the zoning district. In which it is located, mm-hmm. um, and then the other two um, exceptions are: the request must not pose a substantial detriment to the public, and the request does not go against the purpose of the ordinance. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So he doesn't seem like he is meeting those criteria. He has a um, significant hardship, um, and according to everything I read, that variances like this shouldn't be given out at a whim. So. No, on but, a whim. Yeah, but that's the that's the nature right now of what's happening in Quincy is everything's being hand, handed out. So it it, ha- it has to be it has to be questioned, and the optics it, they do not look good, and it's unfortunate. Um, you know, and I'm I'm not here to say like you know I'm, I I don't mean to be here to say like you know city solicitor Jim Dimmons is 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 doing he's I I don't think it looks good. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's all I'm saying. You know. It's an unfortunate situation, and it, and it shouldn't be happening. And an administration could basically say, you know, if you're going to work for me, you're going to work for me. If you're going to develop, go be a developer. It's yeah. one or the other. And then sad news, which I, I'm pretty sure everybody knows at mm-hmm. this point, but um, former mayor Frank McCauley mm-hmm. passed away yeah. um, at 91. I'll just I'll just run down some of these these facts from the Quincy Sun. Um, he was the city's longest serving. Elected official, one of the city's longest serving elected officials, serving 32 years in elective office mm-hmm. in a political career that spanned five decades. He was the only person in city history to be elected to all four elected offices ward council, school committee, member, counselor at large, and of course, mayor. Mm-hmm. He established a tight reign over city finances, drawing on his financial background. Um, he worked to eliminate, eliminate government waste. And he assumed personal responsibility for preparing, preparing the city's budget. He completed the school closings already in progress and implemented a school reorganization plan, instituting the middle school plan still in effect today. And on the recommendation of then city councilor William Golden, Macaulay filed the lawsuit that led to the creation of the Mass Water Resources Authority and the ultimate cleanup of Quincy Bay. Mm-hmm. Some other notes in here. Um, Macaulay's term of office coincided with the dramatic change in the city population as an influx of Asian immigrants came to Quincy. His administration was credited with welcoming the new residents, securing state funding for adult ESL classes, and instituting a computerized language translation service at at the police department. The city also hired a community education coordinator, a trilingual outreach advocate, and an emergency interpreter for the police. 
For its effort, the Macaulay administration received a gubernatorial citation in 1989 recognizing its Asian outreach initiatives. Mm. So he was a man ahead of his time. Yep. And of course, um, and he was a financial prudent one too. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't know him by any of that. I mean, when I moved here, he was on the council. I Mm -hmm. think think he was too. And when I graduated, he gave me my diploma. (laughs) Yeah. So I remember that. So what are some of your memories of? Well, you know, I remember when I graduated, I gave my diploma. And then, you know, I th- I think I used to see Frank when we had our office in the Monroe building. We'd see I, Frank walked everywhere. Frank McCauley, Mayor McCauley. I felt like I could call him Frank because I became yeah. friendly with him. But um, Mayor McCauley walked everywhere and I used to always say, hi, Mr. Mayor. And he would always greet you with a nice smile, yeah. a big smile. He always had something funny to say. He did. A little and, bit of a wise guy. Yeah. And when I met him, when I truly met him, though, and those those were just like the informal meetings of, of, of Mayor McCauley. But when I was running for school committee... And I had um, my the primary top the ticket. He came out and he offered his help, and he I became very good friends with the Macaulay family after that. Because right. I remember, yeah. um, you when you were running for school committee, mm-hmm. he was supporting a friend, right? Mm-hmm. And he liked what you were saying, but he was going to go all in on his friend. Mm-hmm. And then his friend, I forget, didn't make the cut, mm-hmm. and then you know, he was all in on your campaign. He came all in my campaign. He was helping put signs up. He. He really, and then I, yeah, he, 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 he helped me put signs up uh, one day after a sign holding. He said, he said, let's go put some signs up. And, um, he broke out a, like a hand scrawled list of 10, 10 locations when mm-hmm. we drove around putting up signs. And yeah, it wasn't like Kevin put that sign there. It's like, give me the hammer. And he was banging signs. And this is before the corrugated car. Broke. Exactly. I mean, you wouldn't find a mayor that does that. No, no, at he all was these days. And I'm not talking about our current mayor. I'm talking about any mayor. No, he was a, he was really a, 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 I really truly believe, um, Frank McCauley, Mayor McCauley was a people, he was a mayor of the people. He basically knew the people he represented. He walked the city streets. He was personable. He talked to you. If you went to wherever you went to, whether it was the Charter Fest or he was engaged with people and he loved the city of Quincy. Right. Him and Sandra both loved the city of Quincy. And I loved going to visit them. I used to go to their house and I'd bring the banana bread and we'd have coffee together and we would chat. I miss those days. Um, there are a lot of people who have left us, but Frank McCauley has left a special part in my heart because he was just very generous to me. He kept my numbers. He would tell me how I was doing. He would tell me. He just he he was just engaged and interested in people. And he helped you, I think, when you when before you, you were on the school committee mm-hmm. and you were thinking of running and for higher office and mm-hmm. you went over the levy mm-hmm. capacity with me, yep, right? Yeah, he he <laughs> yep, he we discussed all different things. He he educated me on the levy capacity. He educated me on the finances of the city, what I need to watch out for, what to look for. He 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 was interested, and if you were interested, he was willing to he was willing to sit He's down and talk to you. Very generous with his time. He really was, and you know, it's just it's it's a big loss for the city of Quincy. But I tell you, he anybody who had the opportunity to meet um, Frank McCauley, you were very lucky because he gave you his full attention. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I'm. Heartbroken for the Macaulay family because um, they lost both their mom and their dad at this point, and you know, but they 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 will live on with special memories for them too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that does it. We're kind of ending this on a bummer, I think. It is. It is. <laughs> but it there is. are a lot of things coming up, Anne. Right. There are. There are a lot of things coming up. You're, you have meeting tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We don't have to go into it because yep. we want to save it for the next show. But okay. Of course, yep. Ward Three is it's a, a golf. Um, Frederick Golf Course. Yeah, is on the agenda. For, yep, that's tonight. So tune in. <laughs> um, and then uh, I think Father Bill's is 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 being expedited, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to get underway with that. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, those are just some issues we'll touch upon. And then we don't have listener mail. No. But this is sort of a reentry phase. So folks at home, I mean, some people may be down by the election, but now's your chance to uh, let us know how you feel because yeah. believe it or not, you, your voice is being heard. So That much we do know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> From standing at home signs. <laughs> so thank you, everybody. Yep. So that does it for this week on City Limits. Thanks, everybody. Thanks.